0: Thanks for checking out this sermon from Redemption Church in Seattle, Washington, where we're enjoying Jesus, loving people, and making disciples. If you'd like to learn more about redemption, you can go to redemptionseattle.com. Or better yet, come be our guest on a Sunday here in Green Lake. Awesome. Hey, welcome again to Redemption Church. If you are a guest here with us, um, thank you so much for being here. It really does mean a lot to us. We're not just saying that. Um, we know that you could be doing other things. You could be other places, um, but it means a lot that you would come here and worship with us. Not so that you can hear one of us preach or anything like that, but, but so that you can worship. Um, with family, so that you can be a part of um, what we're seeking to do together as a church, enjoying Jesus-loving people and making disciples. And if you were here last week, we actually celebrated our four-year anniversary, which is pretty great. We've, uh, we've been alive for four years, and by God's grace, honestly, um, and all of that, and, and we're so thankful for that. And Alex uh, shared a sermon that I thought was awesome, um, really just unfolding the vision for this year is a church, that really one that just um, goes around faithful presence. That we would be a people that are all about faithful presence when it comes to um, our relationship with God, when it comes to ourself, when it comes with others, which is so critically important. And so coming off of that, um, what we wanted to do is we just wanted to take three weeks, and we're doing a little series, kind of a mini-series, that we're calling Relationship Reset. Um, And we wanted to look at different relationships that we have through really the lens of the gospel. And as Alex and I were talking about this and we were doing preparation for this, um, the thought of Christmas lights came to mind, right? As it would. Um, No? Okay. Um, We just had Christmas not that long ago. And I don't know about you, but every year, no matter how we take down our decorations and no matter how we take down our lights, um, when I go to the basement and we pull up all that stuff the next year, the Christmas lights are a tangled mess. Um, so much so that every year I feel like I contemplate just throwing them away and going down to CVS and buying new ones. But uh, I don't know if you've experienced that. Sort of this tangled mess that you have to take time really undoing and, and, and trying to pull parts uh, uh, away from each other. And, and it really is this mess and it takes time. And what we wanted to do with this series and what we're trying to do is sort of untangle things untangle things that have come through our culture or society or from inside of the church so that we can look at relationships in in a clear way, so that we can look at relationships not in a tangled mess, but really we can unwind some things. We can reset so that it's useful, so that it's helpful, so that we're actually living the life that God intended us to live in the way that he intended us to live it. And so that's really what we're hoping to do through this series. And since we haven't done a series that's Um, focused on relationships before, what we're doing is we're going to walk through this just in a very simplistic way. We're going to walk through um, three categories. We're going to walk through the category of singleness, we're going to walk through the category of married, and we're going to walk through the category of, of having children. Just in simple ways that we hope to sort of unwind these things and, and look at this reality. And for each of us and for each week, and so please don't tune out, for each week, whether you find yourself in that category or not, there are going to be things for all of us to take away and for all of us to learn from. And hopefully things that we can all grow in as a church. That's the idea here, is that we can think about whether it involves new thinking or whether it involves the way that we relate to those around us. Uh, We believe that this is going to be fruitful in helping us grow together. And in thinking of each of these categories, single, married, um, with kids, there was one word that kind of came to mind for each as we were preparing for this. For, For married, it was the idea of intimacy. Um, What does intimacy look like? What should it look like? How has God designed this relationship and marriage and intimacy? And so we're going to be diving into that when it comes to having children, kind of the idea of intentionality. What does it mean to be intentional in these relationships and intentional as a family and and, and to focus on God and and make the most of this time and to not miss out and and just intentionality. And for singleness, there was a word that uh, came up as well. In my conversations with those who are single, inside and outside the church, over the past twelve years of ministry, there's one word that's popped up over and over, at least a variation of it, and it's it's this word, inadequate. Feeling like I'm less than, or like I don't fit in, or I don't know where I fit in. Now, let me just say this: If you're single in here, you don't feel that way at all, and that's offensive to you. That's good. You should be. And that's great. And I would say if that's if that's you this morning, and you're like, I'm, I'm single. I don't feel that. I, I don't feel that weight. I don't feel that pressure at all. I would say maybe today for you is is walking through this, thinking through this in a way that you can help those around you who do wrestle with this these feelings or these emotions of, of inadequacy. Because uh, for many, this is a reality, at least in some form or another. So much so that there have been countless articles written about this from inside of the church and outside the church. In fact, I read an article this week, well, I read several, but I read one from the Huffington Post about um, people in their, especially late 20s, 30s, 40s, that are dealing with these emotions and just thinking through this. And so um, let me stop again just for a minute and and also say this. I think this is important before we go any further. I, I want you to know that as a pastor here, I really do care about this. Alex and I both do. We, we care about this, and if you're single in here, we care about you. We don't take this lightly, and I think a lot of times inside the church, we can really botch this, and we can end up being really offensive. We can end up not really thinking through the implications of what we say or how we go about it. And I just want to say this, I, I'm, not a, a, I, I'm not single. am not single. I'm not. And so I'm not some authoritative figure standing up here on, on, hey, here's how you should think, here's how you should feel, here's how you do think, here's how you do feel on this. But my, my hope is, and our heart, in, in all of this, is that we would be encouraging and also clarifying for all of us. That we would be encouraging and that we would be clarifying. For those who are single and you have a strong desire to be married, I, I, I can relate with what it's like to have a good desire and to for that to be currently unfulfilled, but we want to be very careful in the things that we say, and and what we're going to do today is we're really just going to rely heavily on what God has said, because that's the best place to be. And what I find interesting about these categories is we unpack these, that there are pressures when it comes to being single, when it comes to being married, when it comes to having children from both outside and inside of the church. So much so that even as I was preparing this message this week, I thought about the term single, and I wondered, Does that have a, the, is, is that negative? Should I use a different word? All of that, and, and whether it is or not, that proves the very point that we probably need a reset on what this is and, and how we should see it. And so that's what we're going to be doing for the next few minutes, and as we walk through this together as a church, as a people, I want us to be asking one question, whether you're single, whether you're married, wherever you find yourself today, and it's really this. What is God saying to me where I am, and how should that affect the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I relate to those around me? So let me just pray for this uh, passage that we're going to walk through in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 mainly for the next few minutes, and then we'll dive in. God, thank you for your love, thank you for your grace and compassion, and thank you for making us unique, calling us to different things. God, I pray today through your word that we would see it very clearly, that we would be encouraged by, that we would be challenged in areas that we need to be challenged, that we would think in the way that you want us to think, and we would live in the way that you want us to live. Not as people who are trying to be perfect or trying to earn love or acceptance or or anything like that, but as people who have been forgiven, as people who have been loved so greatly by you. So God, would you just be with us for the next few minutes as as we open up your word, as we unpack what you have to say through the words of Paul, God, and we thank you that this is the authority. We thank you that we can fully rely on what you have said, and it is so trustworthy. And so thank you for being here with us now. Holy Spirit, would you lead us? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7. That's where we're going to start out. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It's also going to be right up here on the screen. And we're going to jump right in. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. And here's what he has to say. He's speaking about different relationships, just like we're going to be doing over the next three weeks. And here's what he has to say about this um, status of singleness. So starting in verse 6, actually, here here we go. Chapter 7, verse 6. Paul says, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So Paul's writing this as a single man. Was Paul married at some point in his life? Probably, because he was part of the Sanhedrin. So we know that Paul was probably married at some point in his life, and the Bible doesn't tell us what happened, whether um, his spouse died, whether something else happened. We, we really don't know. But Paul, as he's writing this to the church, he's, he's a single man doing ministry. And so here's, here's, what, he, here, here's, here's what Paul says here. Um, he says this is a concession, meaning this is suggestion. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't a demand. This is essentially Paul giving pastoral wisdom as best he knows how to the church. So it's important that we look at it like this. This is Paul's heart. He wants to help the church. He wants to love the church, everybody in the church. He says essentially here that this is a gift. Paul says if you're single, like myself as I'm writing this, this is a gift from God. And if you're married as I'm writing this, this is a gift from God. And Jesus says the same thing. We're not going to put it up here on the screen, but let me just reference this. In Matthew 19, Jesus is speaking, and he says this. He says, but he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given, this gift. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, which is really important. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. So whether you believe that God has called you to singleness or in your life entirely, or you see this as a season in your life, a possible season, the question is, do you see this as a gift? It's a good question to ask if you're single in here. Do you see where you are as a gift? Now, I think there are several reasons why this might be challenging, And I just want to highlight two as we walk through this passage this morning. The first one being I think the big one, which is a desire for marriage. Here's what Paul says in verse eight. He says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that this is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now that's a sort of interesting verse there. Let's let's talk about what Paul's really saying here, what he's really getting at. Ultimately what Paul is pointing at here is the desire is the desire that you have if you have a desire to be married that desire and that intimacy is intended for the covenant of marriage. What Paul is not saying here is that marriage is a fix or a quick fix to unholy desires that you might have, burning with passion. So it's like, hey, if you're burning with passion, you may as well just go get married to somebody that's going to fix it. No, don't do that. That's not going to fix it. In fact, Paul speaks in, in all sorts of other places about the beauty of marriage, and so that's not it. Don't take that away this morning. Paul's using some words that actually, even as Alex and I were talking about, we don't love it. But Paul says it, and it's in the Bible. And so what Paul's really getting at here, he's being very practical, but what he's getting at is that there's a deeper desire here, and if you have that, and if God's given you that desire, then pursue marriage. And if he hasn't, then don't. In every person, in every relationship, whether you're single or married, here's the deal. The main pursuit is holiness. Holiness. The ultimate pursuit in all of our relationships, single, married, married with children, it's holiness. It's not just personal satisfaction. It's not just getting what I want. It's not fulfilling the status quo. It's not doing what my parents told me I should do. The ultimate pursuit in all of our relationships, in godly relationships, in Christ-centered relationships, should be holiness. I want to say this nothing nothing is wrong with you if you don't want to be married and nothing is wrong with you if you do want to be married the only time that something is wrong is when the motives behind the desires are wrong when the motivation is out of place for instance If you get married just so that you can engage in a sexual relationship or because someone told you you should and you felt that pressure, that's not wise. That's not the right reason to enter this covenantal relationship, and you'll have a lot of problems that come off of that because of the desires behind it. If you remain single— so that you don't have to be in a committed relationship, so that you can be in inappropriate, intimate sexual relationships with people with no strings attached, that's also not wise, and that's sinful, and that's not a good reason to remain single, and you're giving away far more than you realize. I want to say that. Society will tell you that if you're single, it's absolutely appropriate, it's absolutely healthy to engage in as many intimate sexual relationships as you want, and the Bible comes at that and it says that's absolutely not true, that's a complete lie, and God is saying to you, you are worth far more than that, don't give yourself away to that. God created you with so much worth and so much purpose and so much love. Don't give yourself away to something that is fleeting, that is outside of this covenantal relationship. You are worth so much more than that. No matter what society will tell you which brings in this idea here of self-control, this gift from the Spirit, and I believe why it's so important, especially when it's applied to singleness, this idea of celibacy. This is called a gift, as we've seen from Paul and from Jesus. And so if you're called to this for life and you can bear it, then do it. Jesus had this gift. Jesus was called to this. Now, for some of you, if you're waiting... If you have a desire to be married, if you're hopeful that you will be married, if that's something that God's placed within your heart, then will you take a vow now and withhold until marriage? Because that's what God desires for you. And all of this, everything in this, it falls underneath the umbrella of calling. So important. What has God called you to? What desires has he given you? Based on what Paul says here is if you aren't married and you don't have a desire to be, that's not only okay, it's good. And at the same time, if you're not married and you do have a desire to be, that's not only okay, it's good, as long as the desire is placed under God's sovereign authority. The only way that God can, and I find this very interesting, the only way that God can call being single and being married and having kids, the only way that he can call it a gift is if there is purpose and meaning in all of it. There has to be purpose and meaning in all of it for it to be an actual gift. God is going to, hear this, if you're single here, God is going to use you now, not in the future, he wants to use you now in unique ways to make lasting impact in other people's life, in the life that you're living, he wants to use you here and now. He has created you uniquely, he has placed you where you are uniquely He's given you opportunities that are unique. And so hear that. God has purpose and he has meaning for you, no matter where you find yourself. For those desiring marriage, there is no wasted time in the here and now. There is no wasted time in the here and now. Instead of seeing this as a season to move past, would you see this as a season where God is still just as intentional in your life? has just as much purpose for your life, has the opportunities in front of you for growth and impact in your life and in the other people's lives around you. There is nothing wasted in God's plan. Nothing. Now, the second reason that I want to just look at here that it can be difficult to accept seeing singleness as a gift is because we, inside and outside of the church, haven't done a great job of understanding this and living it out. And I believe that we have, in a very unhelpful way, tried to affirm false ideas and pressures. Sometimes people just say the wrong thing. You probably know this. I'll just tell you this. I hate confrontation. Um, (laughs) In college, if there was confrontation at all, I would literally walk away. I remember one time one of my friends wanted to confront somebody else because they had done something. I think they'd actually done something to me or something wrong or they'd taken something and he wanted to confront them. And I remember him going and doing that in like our rec room area and me going and just closing myself in the bathroom because I did not want to be around whatever was happening. It was so uncomfortable. And and the same thing will even happen on the couch when Laura and I are watching TV. Sometimes there's like an uncomfortable situation, especially in certain reality shows that I may or may not watch. And um, sometimes there's like an uncomfortable situation and I literally have to look away just because I'm like, I can't believe they said that. Like who would ask that question? Who would say this? That's so inappropriate. That's so uncomfortable. If you're single, maybe you know this. Sometimes people say the wrong thing. Here's what I want to say to all of us that are not single, that are married. If you take nothing away other than this, I think this would be Helpful. Please stop asking single people when they're going to get married. Seriously, the, the laughter is like, yeah, ha, 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 but seriously, please stop doing that. Seriously. It's just like when you ask somebody who doesn't have children, like, when are you going to have kids, right? Right? We ask these questions unaware of what may be going on deeper underneath the surface. We don't realize the pain that we might be causing or the pressure that we might be applying when we ask this question that we think is meaningless or we think is is, is really not that important. We have no idea what that question might be doing or might be affirming that's false. It's not a good question to ask. It can be very painful, especially those who desire marriage. It can be a very painful question. It can be very unfair because last time I checked, Amazon has not yet created a warehouse where they're storing single people that you can just go and pick one out, right? It's probably coming with the H2 headquarters, but it's not here yet. But we make these false assumptions, even when we ask this, that everyone wants to be married or that everyone should be married, and both are not true. Both are not true. And by asking this seemingly simple question, what we're also doing is we are encouraging an identity based upon relationship status. As a church, I'm speaking to all church, Christianity, I absolutely believe that we have elevated marriage much higher than we should. And so how do we reset this? What do we learn and take away and what do we do with this? Really two words came to mind, one was awareness, And the other one was inclusiveness. Awareness, meaning that we don't ask questions like that. Awareness, meaning that if you're married, the only thing that you talk about is not marriage, especially with those around you that really want to be married that aren't yet. It doesn't mean that you need to walk around like there's glass on the floor and and treat everybody as a snowflake, but here's the deal. We just need to be aware. Be empathetic. Be aware of your surroundings. For those that really want to be married and they want to be in that relationship, maybe don't complain about your marriage to that person. That might be very hurtful, not helpful, right? Use awareness in the way that we relate to one another. This is what you do inside a family because we all have emotions and we all have feelings and we all have things that are going on deeper underneath the surface. And so this is just good counsel for all of us in every relationship, in every situation. Use awareness think about the people that are around you, and the best way that you can do that is if you know the people that are around you. If you ask them better questions, ask them about their life, ask them about different things. No, you don't have to hide from everything, and it doesn't mean you can't ever talk about marriage, and you need to like, oh gosh, they're coming over here, Everybody, shh. No, that's weird too, but be aware. Care about those around you, Right? don't expect and I hate this too and so I'll just don't expect that somebody that's single just has more time and more availability so they should do this or they should do that that's not the case and also don't treat somebody who isn't married as if they are less mature than someone who is do you know how many single people that I've met that are far more mature than married folks there are several of you in here that are single that are far more mature than I am and I'm being honest with that and that's great at this church, at least at Redemption, we aren't going to create new ministries and try to single out those who aren't married, those who are single. Instead, what we want to do is something different, and this is kind of where the second part in. It's called inclusiveness. We've done this from the beginning for all four years. This is why we set up life groups the way that we have. We don't have separate life groups where we have married people over here, people with children over here, single people over here. We 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 don't do that. We're very intentional in the way that we live life together, in the way that we do life together, and we're inclusive. We want to have mixed groups because we all have things that we can learn from one another, right? You can learn things from people who are married. You can learn things from people who are single. You can learn things from people who have children. We all have different points of view. We all have different experiences. We all have different gifts and we can learn things and we can grow together, I think this inclusiveness is so important because at least from the people that I've talked to or at least several singles even within our church that I've had conversations with one of the greatest desires is just to be included, just to be seen as, "Hey, I'm just a part. You don't need to create new things for me, just include me. Invite me over to dinner. Don't be weird about it, right? Invite me to do things with you and your family. I want to be a part." And so that's one of the greatest things that I think we can do as a church because that's the thing that the family does and that's what we are, is we're a family. And so I think these are a few things that we can just grow in, especially in our mindset, especially as we're thinking about this as a church. If if you are married, just think about these things, your your awareness and inclusiveness. How are we doing in these areas? Because this is absolutely a place that we don't want to just fall under our relationship status. That's not the end-all, be-all. Ultimately, the end-all, be-all is a greater identity and putting our identity in the proper place. So this is why Paul says actually later in this passage and what I wanted to look at just verse 17, he kind of walks through the idea of being single and he walks through the idea of being married and, and then he gets to this in verse 17 and I love it. He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. As I was doing some research on this verse, I loved what Pastor David Zook, he does commentaries, what he said about this. I'll just read it to you. So as it says, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. Here's what Paul is saying. No matter what station, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're widowed, whether you're remarried, whatever, God can work in your life and wants to work in your life. So instead of thinking that you can or will walk for the Lord when your station changes, walk for the Lord in the place you are right now. I think there's this lie, and I know that it's happened with me personally and and for Laura and myself, when it comes to having children, so, so we're married, but we don't have children yet, but we desire to have children. There can be this lie that if we can just have that, that it will fix everything. And I think that same lie can permeate for those who desire to be married, that if I can just be married, that will fix everything. If I can just reach that, if I can, if I can just have that relationship, then everything else in my life will line up. All of the things that are broken and cracked in my life, those will just dissipate and go away. And I, would, and I would tell you that's absolutely not true. A relationship status won't, won't fix everything. It can be a good desire, but it is not a fix. There are still pieces of your life that are fragmented. There are still pieces of your life that are broken because of sin. And so, uh, again, just as an encouragement, and even with what Paul's saying here, is don't pursue something simply because you think that is going to fix everything, or that's what should happen. That's not the case. The other lie I think that can come in here is, is this one. Maybe you felt this before. Am I being punished? Right? I thought that before. Am I being punished? And I would just tell you straight out, you're not. God's not punishing you. Jesus took all the punishment and there's none left. If you have a strong desire to be married, God is not punishing you. His timing, his plan, it may not be what you thought it would be. It may be, man, it may hurt. And, and, and if, you're, if you're there today, I'm, I'm sorry. And God knows your heart. He knows your desire. But at the same time, he promises that he's good. He promises that he has good plans. He knows all of it. And so this doesn't mean that being single isn't hard, even if you don't have a desire to be married. It can be hard. It can be painful at times it can probably be very lonely and god knows that and he wants you to be open with your feelings and emotions not only with him but in the safety of community around you the people who you trust the people that you know this loving community what paul's saying in this verse really echoes or it joins with what he also says in galatians 3 this affirmation and i love this because it's where it puts everything this morning that whether you were single, whether you were married, whether you have children, that these are all gifts, but they are not your identity. These are all gifts from God, but they are not of first importance. They fall underneath the identity that you've been given. This is so encouraging. Look again at what Galatians 3 says. For in Christ, you are all, highlighted, you are all, right here it is it's going to be up here for in Christ we'll jump to the next one too you are all sons of God through faith not in Christ you who are married are sons of God through faith not in Christ you who are single are sons in God through faith. Not in Christ you who are widowed, not in Christ those who are divorced. In Christ you are all sons of God through faith, meaning that the playing field is completely level. That we are all sons of God through faith, daughters of God through faith. For as many as of you who as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ and if you are Christ and you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise all equally heirs heirs to the kingdom heirs to the full rights in the family single married children in Christ we all fall under this umbrella of in Christ this greater identity it's greater than any relationship status you will ever have it's the one place where everything is made right in Christ In Christ and this is where the gospel comes into play right right here this is where we intersect with it that in Christ you are hear this sons and daughters that is in first importance this is the way that Jesus lived he lived a life of celibacy he lived a life of singleness he put away any desires of the flesh underneath the greater desire to follow God to glorify him to see his greater purpose to do his will the season that he was in, no matter what was happening, to not see it as wasted, to not see it as let me push pause right now and let me wait till I get there and then I'll start living. But every day, doing his will in the life that he lived in a way that was honoring to God, his Father, and the call that he had placed on Jesus' life, he laid all of that down, all of his desires even his very own life on the cross, taking all of our pride, all of our selfishness, all of our rebellion, all of our doubts, all of our pains, all of our brokenness, all of our desires that may not be as healthy as we think they are. He took all of that. Why? To make us not married, not single, but to give us a much greater status of sons and daughters. Completely loved. And so what are the takeaways of this? And I know we're not hitting everything here and that's not the intent. The intent of this is really to start conversations and just to make us think more and to be encouraged about who we really are and the way that we relate with those around us and ultimately the way that we relate with God and how he's created us and the gift that he's given us, whatever that is and whatever season that is. The takeaway for the church, I would just encourage us as a church, this idea again of awareness and inclusion. Think about the relationships that you have with those in your life group. Think about the relationships that you do or don't have with people around you in the church that are maybe different than you are, maybe in a different place than you are, at least in this season. How do you relate with them? How do you talk with them? What kind of questions do you ask? How do you dive in? How do you go deeper? How do you not take advantage? How do you not make assumptions, right? Are you aware of that? How are we aware and how are we inclusive? How are we inviting one another into our lives, in to what we're doing to what we're taking part in. How do we live this life out as a family? And the big takeaway is if you're single in, in here today, whether you desire marriage, whether you don't, right? In the gift of singleness, how, how, what do we do here? Here's what I want to say. And I just want to say this very clearly, and I listed several things because I didn't want to miss one because I just want you to hear them, and if you want to write them down, you can. But, but here's what I want you to know today. You are more than adequate. You have so much to offer the church and others around you so much that we can learn being single if you felt this at all if the thought has ever crossed your mind let me just say being single is not second rate god doesn't do second rate you can look up a verse on that psalm 139 14 reference that it's okay to feel emotions even anger especially if you desire to be married and you're not yet, and know that God and others can handle it. Psalm 22, one. You are not, again, being punished if you desire marriage. Jesus already was. Isaiah 53.5. As an encouragement, give people grace when they say the wrong things or they don't understand because we inevitably will. Colossians 3.13. God loves you. It's most important. His reasons, his timing, his call in your life, they're beyond our complete understanding. But his love is always good. Jeremiah 29 11. If you do desire marriage, this time is not being wasted. Allow God to use it in your life. If you don't desire marriage, that's not a bad thing. And we're sorry if we've put any pressure on you to make you think that it was. Singleness, even for a time, is a gift from God with purpose and value. Marriage will not make or break your life. Your relationship status is not your identity. And finally, holiness, holiness is the pursuit. Ultimately, what all of this comes down to, and sort of the big idea if you want one, is that our identity is not found in the relationship status that we have. It's the family that we're in. If we're in Christ, we're equally loved, equally cared for, equally valued sons and daughters of a God who absolutely loves us.